can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Ladies, hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. Our star and namesake, Victor Davis Hanson, is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and also the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor has a website, The Blade of Perseus. You'll find it at victorhanson.com. I'll tell you a little more about that later in this uh in this show, Victor, with lots of political things to talk about today. We are recording, so we keep everything in perspective, folks. You know when we're getting Victor's wisdom, because so many you know, events are fast and furious. But we're talking on Sunday, the 29th of October. This particular podcast should be up on November 2nd, which, Victor, that's All Souls Day. I don't I don't know if you know about All, All Souls Day. I know of it, but I don't. Know it oh. in the sense of intimacy with it. Okay. Well, I'll, it has to do with purgatory and the the souls who didn't make the cut for sainthood. But that's a we'll get we'll get. Well, I we'll thought that, that I I've always thought that it was my patron. That was my third chance to get in. <laughs> third times, <laughs> third times a charm. Because I'm a because <laughs> no, I'm a sinner, and I didn't know if I'm going to make it or not. I'm worried about. Well, you the, you you've, you've you've suffered a lot on this uh, planet on uh, this mortal coil, Victor. So I hope you you get get through purgatory. But anyway, um, America is going through a purgatory. The purgatorial presidency of Joe Biden. And Joe Biden has an opponent now in the Democratic primary. So we can talk about, get your thoughts on him, Victor. I, I think we need to talk a little more. It's been a while since we talked about Robert uh, F. Kennedy and his consequences in the race. Uh, does do, do you think Republicans would want him to run versus not to, not running? I think it's uh, worth exploring uh, that. Um, also, Victor, we we should talk about the shutdown of farm of pharmacies across America and why that's happening. We'll get to all that and more, though, right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower lower your risk of cancer. 
Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. And, Victor, I have to apologize to our listeners that there's a little sound in the background. Well, there's some activity at the Fowler household this Sunday evening. But, Victor, let's let's start with getting your thoughts about uh, – let's start with RFK. Um Two things. Uh, first of all, he is a candidate, and it's it's kind of reckless. Uh, the, the Biden administration is, or Joe Biden, that was the administration of the White House, they're refusing to give him Secret Service protection, which I think is standard for somebody who enters a race, and particularly someone who has the polling with the numbers uh, he has, and you know the, the, the public attention he would that he would uh, receive. Geez, his father was. Assassinated in a in a in a freaking his uncle was uncle and father were killed yeah. and it's it's horrible. Yeah, they wouldn't do that. And I think I think everybody has to remember that everything that the Biden administration does is predicated on politics. Not it's leftist. I understand that, but we were talking the last pod about draining the strategic petroleum uh, reserve. We didn't really get into begging. Russia, Iran, Venezuela to pump more oil, this dirty, gooey stuff that they hate, but they don't hate it around election time. And why I mention that, Jack, is if these crazy polls are true, and I don't think they are, but if they were to be true and that RFK hurts Trump more than Biden on a Trump-Biden standoff, then they will probably do all they can and restore Secret Service or for the first time offer protection for him because he'll be seen as an asset. And that's how they think. But why you wouldn't when you're you're spending billions of dollars uh, in federal entitlements uh, by letting eight million people come in and you can't even spend a few million dollars to provide safety for a viable Democratic, he's more viable than half the Republican candidates as far as the polls go. And why you wouldn't provide protection given his family history, I don't know. Well, Victor, do you 
do you think he would not hurt? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming Donald Trump is going to be the candidate, but regardless, uh, no, it's not regardless. I think it matters. Donald Trump's the candidate for for argument's sake. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would take more votes or less votes from Donald Trump than he would from Joe Biden. I think he will take more votes from Joe Biden. And if the polls show that he slightly takes more from Trump, it's only because the media has been um, demonizing him as how dare he run against Joe Biden. And that resonates with Republicans. And then when they see a superficial uh, Kennedy, what they see is a guy who was skeptical of the vaccinations, the lockdowns, big government, uh, and they feel that their agreement on those narrow range of issues apply to his whole ideology. But when you start looking at his redistribution of socialist past, his, his idea on energy, he's a Green New Dealer. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I think once he, if he is going to be a viable candidate and people start to really explore his agenda and who he is and who he was and who he would be, Right. They're not going to see him as sort of a kindred renegade is what I'm saying. They're going to yeah. see him as a, the hard leftist and that support will fail. Sort of like Ramaswamy. Everybody thought that he was this outsider that was speaking truth to power and he was idiosyncratic. And that was all true. But the more that he talked, uh, he said some things about Israel and things. He, he he gets himself in trouble is what I'm saying. And they learn that he didn't vote this and that. That's just a natural political process. So uh, people who are, he hasn't been vetted. Kennedy hasn't been vetted in the way that Raswami hasn't been vetted. And we know right. that when he's vetted and all of his views come out and what he thinks and who his constituents are that I think conservatives will not vote for him over the republic. If it's Trump, they will not vote for Kennedy over Trump or any other of the Republican right. that might win the nomination, Haley or DeSantis. They won't do it, at least not numbers that will be that will matter. Uh, and I think Biden just feels that if anybody runs, whether it's Cornell West or maybe a Green candidate or Kennedy, they're, they're going to hurt him. And I think eventually that, that's going to be right. They are. And that's why they don't want to give him security. I mean, I'm serious about that. Maybe, you know, maybe it won't hurt Biden. Maybe it'll hurt Dean Phillips. So, Victor, the, uh, the congressman, Democrat congressman from Minnesota is, uh, has announced, I think he's, he's going to be in the, uh, New Hampshire primary, where Joe Biden is not going to be in the New Hampshire primary. But uh, Phillips is running for a reason. I guess he wants to be president. Uh, but also, you know, finger in the wind and sees that, that uh, Joe Biden in November, it's not finger in the wind, that's the wrong analogy, but Joe Biden, the way he is, the the, the wreck that he has made of this country and the world is a uh, is a losing proposition for the Democratic Party a year from now. And that's where, where his head is at. Victor, any thoughts about this uh, 54-year-old uh, Democrat congressman? Well, 
I don't know how long he will be viable, but he has money. He's he's not, you know, hyper wealthy, but he has enough money to sustain himself as a credible, you know, candidacy where he'll have some outreach. But we saw with Michael Bloomberg that money doesn't really mean much. He spent a billion dollars and went down in the poll. So and he is he's a Jewish guy. So at this opportune time, there's a lot of people who are strong supporters of Israel and see that these people around Biden are not. And maybe he will peel off some of the Jewish support in key states from Joe Biden. That's That would be a fear. But the problem is that when you have an incumbent president or you have any um, presidential race and you have a member of the, of the House of Representatives, whether it was, remember Pete McCluskey, he ran against Nixon. Oh, yeah, sure. And there was Phil Crane. Remember him? Yes. And, and they all run and they're all purist and they're fresh faces and they're reformers and they don't go anywhere because you don't have a level of exposure in the House media fundraising that allows you usually to to wage a national campaign. You either have to be a, a governor of a big state or a well-known governor or a very wealthy, successful business person, a Ross Perot, or, you know, somebody like that, or Donald Trump, or a governor of a big state, or a senator. And when you're not that, yeah. uh, you have it's very hard for a House member to to become president. It's not did, gonna happen. But did you know one damage. of those? He, he could do damage to Biden in these states. We learned that with Ralph Nader. He did a lot of damage to Al Gore. Yeah. In in places like Florida. And yeah. it could matter. And Cornell West, I mean, if Michigan is uh Michigan or Georgia's is another you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand votes, Cornell West could tip away from Biden. And they know that. So they're they're probably offering him all sorts of enticements to drop out. Victor, one of those um famous iconoclasts or whatever the word you use uh, was John. Do you remember? I think you might have even known him. John Schmitz. The, the, yeah, uh, I know it. Did, was, did you know him at all? Did, no, I just, he came in the news and I, I want to be very careful because I, I didn't prepare this, but I'm pretty sure that his daughter was the, was, yeah. Was the Mary Letourneau. Who, yeah. Yeah. And she had that affair with what a 15 year old and married him and had she married him. Yeah. She was, she was in the news and, it was yeah. just the media pounced on that because here was this conservative family and she was doing something very unconservative, supposedly. But I remember he he was uh, reviled here in California as a representative by the left because he was a member. I think he was a member of the John Birch Society. He was. He, he had some third party that ran against Nixon also. I think it's 68. He did. Was, yeah, yeah, he did. So, yeah. Anyway, just curious. Um, hey, Victor, there's another um, congressman to talk about, and that's the Democrat Jamal Bowman. And we'll get to him and his his uh, fire, fire alarm insurrection uh, right after these important messages. OK, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. 
Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, New York Congressman Jamal Bowman from the 16th District who's actually that district is a few blocks from where I grew up in the Bronx, even as part of the Bronx, but mostly all uh, Westchester County, hoity-toity Westchester County has this man representing them. And Bowman, I think our listeners know, he he uh, tried to disrupt uh, Congress by pulling an emergency uh, fire alarm, feigned that it was, oh, he thought it was an emergency exit. And the, Go to the videotape, Victor. It's pretty damning. And yet still not this. a lot of attention. What's your uh, thoughts? That Heikum Jeffries had said that it was, uh, no, it was just an inadvertent mistake and they were hounding him. It, it's just, it's what everybody said it was. He he walks in and he thinks, I'm going to remove these placards uh, so that I guess people don't think that, um, that it that it could be what ostensibly inadvertent that there was no warning there. So right. if he does get caught, that he could say there was no there was no warning. Then he walks out, and it was kind of like he has his back almost, doesn't he? And he kind of just taps it as if he's walking nonchalantly off, and he thinks that that cameras won't pick him up actually doing it. But what I'm getting at, it's a, a lot different. The actual photographs that were released, I don't know why it took him so long to release it. But what he told us was it was a frontal thing where he walks out toward the doors. He's confused. He's been there before, but maybe this is the first time that you can't exit in the way you usually can. He's in a hurry. He thinks it's some kind of disability door where you push a button. So he just pushes this thing and says fire alarm. And then he's surprised. And then he he walks. That's not what the picture showed. So he was deliberately trying to disrupt a session of Congress. And when you superimpose it onto people that supposedly did this in January 6th, then you've got a problem. And when you say uh, the January 6th uh, committee went after Trump for supposedly egging on an insurrectionary activity or capital disruption. When you see here, this guy is actually trying to disrupt a session of Congress by, you know, committing a, a it should have been a class C felony. And then when you juxtapose it to that, to Rashid Talib out there in front of the Capitol, why people are occupying illegally the rotunda and she's screaming and yelling threats, basically that she's not going to support Joe Biden and that 
the hospital was blown up by the Israelis, which is a blatant lie, then you wonder what are the rules. And the rules are what if, if you're a person of the left, you can offer your people can offer, you know, occupy the rotunda, you can shut it down. You can disrupt a congressional session by committing a felonious act. I think he pled it down to a misdemeanor. You can say you can say insightful thing. And it's just this what's the legal system is degenerated into this asymmetrical, one sided um, enforcement of the law. Right. It almost doesn't matter that he was caught on videotape. No, doing no, all these it wasn't. If that had been Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she had done that. They would have censored her in two seconds or they would. Have, they would there would have been Republicans that would censor her. So, yeah. And he's you know, he's he was very vocal about his criticism of Israel. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that's another thing. This is a very touchy issue. But I mentioned it with Sammy just in passing that. Uh, you know, that the African-American community is very varied and there's, you know, what Representative Donalds and, and intellectuals like Glenn Lowry or Shelby Steele and everybody, they are the best of thinkers in America and they understand what's going on Hamas, but they are not the establishment of the left wing, which is reflected in voting when African-Americans vote anywhere from 80 to 90 to 95% leftist. And when you see manifestations of that in the black caucuses uh, majority not wanting to support israel in its moment of you know not not endorse a statement of concern or outrage over hamas or sub material support and then you look at the blm poster uh, and then you see high profile members of that community where it's kenya west saying just outright anti-Semitic and even guy like Dave Chappelle. Did you see that clip where he's doing a skit where he talks about Jews as aliens right. and then he says they're space Jews coming back to Earth to take land that they had abandoned years ago as if That's... there was no continuity in the Middle East of Jewish people. So it's, it's kind of frightening and I think it's more that people in the DEI community once again think that they have been given a dignity and they can say or do anything they want as far as prejudicial behavior or speech. And because they have been self-declared perpetual victims and oppressed. And this is 2023 and that's not true anymore. And you can really see it, Jack, when that magic triad has disappeared. Remember, it was all before diversity, diversity equity, inclusion, its predecessor, the original triad was what? Race, class, gender. Remember that? Race, class, gender, race, class, gender. And the, the class disappeared. Nobody mentions it. I was really curious about that because I thought, well, this has all been superseded that now we defined a, oppression by race rather than class because we, unlike gender, apparently, we say it's immutable. You are what you are. You can't construct your race. Elizabeth Warren tried. It doesn't work. Okay. And then that means you're perpetually victimized. You can be Oprah. You can be LeBron. You can be the Obamas. You can be Eric Holder. But you are a victim. Okay, we get that. But when you get people very wealthy, it's a little uneasy. So when Michelle Obama goes over, 
remember over to Germany and how much was she getting? It was $12,000 a minute, I think. Staggering. Yeah. Staggering. If you can get it. And she was going to speak on diversity. Oh, not on equity. Remember that? It was diversity inclusion. She dropped out part of the triad, the Holy Trinity, equity. And so they don't want to talk about equity and they've dropped class. It's not race, class, gender. It's race and gender or it's diversity and inclusion, but it's not equity. And that's because there's a there's a lot of people in all different walks of life, different races that are doing very well. And race is no longer a barometer of oppression. It is a economic or uh, elsewhere or otherwise, but it is an indemnity policy that if a person self-declares that their primary signature is race, that's incidental. It's not incidental. It's essential who, to who, whom they are. Then they feel that they have a blank check to say outrageous stuff, whether that's a glider that symbolizes somebody machining, machine gunning down children in Israel. That's okay. Or Dave Chappelle talks about space Jews or, you know, all of this stuff. And I think it's it's not good for that DEI agenda because people are saying, you know what? This anti-Semitism is not the old white, you know, the Rothschilds control everything, the right. Jews, all that stuff. Father Coughlin, Lindbergh, that's over. This is a left wing a DEI project. It's sophisticated faculty. It's intellectuals. It's people on the left. And it includes yeah. an inordinate and disproportionate number of so-called marginalized people who do not like Jews as a, you know, they, they don't. And you saw that. Did you see that really awful clip about the Jewish woman on a bicycle and she's got her child infant she's riding? I think it was in Queens. And she's trying to ride in the bike path and a guy's parked at a diagonal and she can't get around. She says, please, sir, can my daughter and I go uh, go through the bike? He says, go around. She said, the traffic's very dangerous. And he said, who are you? You're Jewish, aren't you? I knew it. You're a Jew. And he starts ranting and raving. And then we had the uh, Hispanic guy that broke into a Los Angeles Jewish home. Did you see that? And terrorized the father yes. four children and it's it's i i had written about this way back when i was writing articles in conjunction with the book mexifornia that the la raza charter was very anti-semitic uh, originally but there is something when you tell a particular group that you are a permanent victim and no one dare says that you're you yourself are racist theme houses, separate graduation. That's a very dangerous thing to do because they feel they can say anything uh, that is racist or biased yeah. or anti-Semitic and there will be no repercussions. Victor, do you think there's some amount of resentment here? I mean, I, I'm yes, speaking very broad generalities, right? A Jewish America, philanthropic, political, back, you know, decades, very supportive of minorities, and lower middle class, etc. Unfair to say bleeding heart, but you know there is some aspect of of uh, of general support and pro democratic party, etc. 
And I always thought growing up in New York, there was, you know, again, to paint very broadly that, you know, Jews are very supportive of, of, of blacks and trying to get them out of uh, their, you know, situation, ghetto, Amer ghetto, New York, maybe um, again, <laughs> very broad terms. No, but that, so, that's absolutely true. Remember, remember the women's marches where Linda Sassur and black BLM activists drove out Jewish women that were part of that left wing coalition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, we know that in the black community, there was one force multiplier, and that's Islam. And so many black intellectuals, you know, Kendi or Barack Obama, they have adopted or were named Islamic names. And we have the black Muslims. And there's this idea that there's a special resonance as fellow victims between Islam and black America and to a greater degree than other groups would claim that affiliation or affinity. So there's a lot of things working. There's the old stereotype of the pawnbroker. Remember the Rod Steiger movie where a Jewish person has got some yeah. business, business in the inner city. And you saw it with Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, right. Remember yeah. Freddie, what was the name of that? Freddie's something market, Freddie's market. Freddy's market, yeah. Yeah, where they killed uh, a Jewish person. They set a fire of business. Remember Al Sharpton said, put on your yarmulks and come over here. I'm ready for you. We had Jesse Jackson saying, I guess I'm in Jaime Town now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had, as I said, Barack Obama said some things about Israel, apparently, that the L.A. Times did not want that tape to be released. And I can't think that he's ever said a positive thing about Israel. So yeah, there's there's that there's that impression that a lot of and we I don't even want to get into Louis Farrakhan and he has a large following when he said it was uh, Judaism was a gutter religion. Then we have the Reverend uh, Wright, remember from Chicago, and he said that uh, he was Barack Obama's personal savior uh, and personal pastor. I shouldn't say savior, pastor, preacher. Married them, I think, in 2008 when Obama ran for office, Jack. I'm trying to tax my memory, but I think he gave an interview with the Chicago Sun-Times when he said he didn't miss a single, a single Reverend Wright service. Yeah. And yet we know that Reverend Wright wrote things of the, that were wacky, that the Israelis had particular anti-black, anti-Arab weapons. I think he said... He was asked if, do you still see, uh, you still see Barack Obama, your former pupil? And he said, dim Jews, don't let me at him. So, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of problems um, with a lot of people in the black community as far as their open disdain and collectivization and demonization of Jews. And everybody knows it, but it's a taboo subject. And no sooner will we leave this subject that I'll get my angry reader for the week about it. <laughs> I just Sorry. did. I just have one coming out. It's I can't even translate. It's just full of the S word and the H word and uh, <sighs> every po possible thing. Yeah. But it's uh, it's uh, it's a problem. Yeah. Well, another problem, Victor, is uh, what's happening across America with pharmacies. I've mentioned this at the beginning of uh, 
of uh, the podcast as a subject. And uh, we have uh, massive uh, store closings. And let's get your thoughts on ramifications of this and why it's happening right after these important messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, yeah, Victor, there's a you know headline out this week that CBS in Washington uh, is uh, moving to shut 900 stores because there was some some article with a, just I think about 50 <clears throat> shoplifters descended into a store, clean cleaned it out. I think we've we've seen this any number of times now, and then Rite Aid, another major pharmacy is also shutting uh, 1,500 um, stores. I mean, now there are some reasons beyond shoplifting. I know some of these places have been uh, hit by uh, opioid um, lawsuit settlements, but still uh, the the lawlessness that's reigning in our inner cities is having ramifications. And what are we going to hear a few years from now when, in you know the Bronx or you know poor areas, there there's no drugstore to go to to get the drugs that Grandma needs or you need, and whose fault is that going to be? So anyway, I Victor, I, I, I think understand. you said I, yeah, I don't a understand. Story. It is when you have these virtual pharmacies where they have pictures of the items that you would like to buy. I don't even think they do that in third world countries. And when I go to a pharmacy in rural communities here in California that are not subject to big city shoplifting, I still can't buy things I want. I have to, if I want to buy uh, any allergy medicine, any razor, any electric toothbrush, anything over $5, it's going to be locked up. And you have to hunt the person down. And because of chronic shoplifting, which is enabled and empowered by some kind of woke idea that you can't prosecute these crimes if they're less than $900 here in California in aggregate. And then the only reaction is the stores are basically told you can't move. You have to serve underserved communities. And they say, no, I'm not going to lose money. There's too much thievery and shopping, shoplifting, and we're leaving. And then they get blamed. Oh, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. But it won't change until these District attorneys are voted out of office. The mayors are voted out of office. And again, it's this idea that 
the more you you act utopian or the more you brag about your uh mag magnanimity the 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 less moral you become the moral thing to do is to enforce the law and give stiff penalties for thievery for the purpose of allowing stores with security and with profit in mind to go into inner cities and offer the services needed. It's not very liberal. It's not very nice. It's not very moral to let somebody come in there with a garbage bag and clean out a shelf and therefore shut down a pharmacy when somebody who's very poor on public assistance needs glaucoma drops that night. And that's what's happening. And, uh, you know, it's again, we we know what's wrong, Jock, but we feel that the medicine's worse than the disease. So they we just are paralyzed. We know what we could stop homelessness. We could stop pharmacies leaving the big cities or not locking up their goods uh, behind cages or back in the store. We know how to do it. It's just that we feel that the ability to do it, to solve it, to give the remedy would be so acrimonious that it's not worth the hassle. So we just say, I'm moving. I'm just taking it out. I don't want to deal with these people. I'm just done. I'm out. And the same thing with the homelessness. I don't want to go down to San Francisco. I do not want to walk over feces and needles and see people injecting, defecating, urinating, fornicating. I'm done. But I do know how to stop it. But the medicine's worse than the disease. We could have mental hospitals spring up. We could have people in humane areas outside the city where each person had a small, tiny little dwelling. We've done things like that, but we'd have to forcibly remove people for the simple reason they were breaking the statute. They were breaking the law. It's against a lot of defecate. It's against a lot of shoot up drugs in public. It's, a it's against a lot of urinate in public. It's against the law to occupy a public space overnight. We know all that, but they don't believe that they can do anything about it. Well, Victor, we have a few more topics to uh, discuss, but before we get to any of them, you and I know, my friend, that life can get pretty busy and that getting the recommended daily dose of fruit and veggies may be the last thing on your mind. I have to say, many a day, it's the last thing on my mind. But that's why I take Field of Greens. Each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected for a specific health benefit. Some support vital organs like heart, lung, and kidneys. Others support metabolism for healthy energy and weight loss. I trust Field of Greens for my health, and you can too. So let me get you started with 15% off. That's for listeners of the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Visit fieldofgreens.com. Use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R. That's the promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com. And we thank Field of Greens for sponsoring the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Hey, Victor, um, I did want to ask you about uh, any response to your the, uh, new issue of the new criterion is out and you have one of the, the major pieces in there. We've talked about it in the past, but this is um, um, Oliver Anthony's uh, Rich Men North of Richmond. The title of this piece is popular song is populist revolt. In a way, it's, it feels like maybe 100 years ago when this happened, given, of course, what's happened in the last few weeks in, in Israel. But um 
Yeah, we've got this a great essay. Any um, uh, any response to it or anything you'd uh, uh, like to say about it? Well, it, it's had a lot of response. It was sort of a it was sort of a defense of Anthony from both the left and the right. And the, some people in the right um, called it incoherent, stupid, just ranting. And uh, they, I think they wanted him to to take be a William F. Buckley and write a, a coherent, systematic uh, critique of leftism and then yeah. put it to music. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Wow. So and then people, of course, on the left said that he was body shaming. He was racist. But I, I dealt with all those. I mean, he's writing out of the Appalachia nexus, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Etc. And when he's talking about people on public assistance that are abused, he's talking about white people, 99% of them. So it wasn't racist. And when he's talking about North men, uh, men north of Richmond, it's because it's, you know, he's there and, the, and that's the highway to Washington, D.C. And we're in an area where people are trying to control our lives. It's basically a rant about uh, globalism. And the diminishing purchasing power of the working class and the hopelessness of it. And just when you think he's going to be, um, I don't know, another Merle Haggard, Oki from Muskogee or Jason I.D., you know, um, don't try that. It's not quite that song. It's more of a tragic song. You know, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. And it's kind of shrug your shoulders. We're screwed. And then when he has been interviewed, and he's been offered a lot of money. That was a number one song, I think, on the first time on so many charts at once. Right. And uh, he didn't want he didn't want anything. He said, I don't want a corporate jet. I don't want uh, Muzak uh, computer fed music. Logarithm algorithm, I should say, music. I don't want it. So he lives in a trader. I mean, he's. He doesn't have anything, and yet he has talent. When you actually break down the song, it has a, a, a variety of tones. He raises his voice. He lowers his voice. There's variety. He has some weird allusions, you know, to – he uses rhyme. He uses repetition. He uses homonyms, minors, minor. It's very much more complex than people think. And uh, I don't quite understand the left because they say – it's kind of outrageous. Um, and, and as I mentioned, the number two song at the time was written by a rapper. And I, I don't even, I, well, I can't repeat it on the air. We've mentioned it before. Yeah, all right. It's full of the most intimate, disgusting uh, treatment of women, of violence. It's calling for violence to be perpetuated. It's bragging about kind of violent, sick sex, sick sex. And it's a number two song. And no one who was criticizing Oliver Anthony is saying, well, wait a minute. There's not one. There's one anything perverted about this song. There's nothing that a child couldn't listen to. Why in the world um, would we be angry when we tolerate this other song right below it on the charts? So I, I went through all of the manifestations and then kind of gave some data about the economics and the static or ossified, calcified status of middle-class wages over the last, he says the dollar's no good. And in fact, 25 years ago, just 25 years ago, Jack, in 1998, 
uh, the dollar had twice the purchasing power that we have. So our dollar in terms of what you can buy is a 50 cent piece compared to what it was just 25 years ago. So he had everything he said was true. And I felt that somebody needed to say something positive about him. So I did. And I have, you know, I've never met him. I don't know him. Probably never meet him. Uh, I have people, I, I really, you know, I'm a good friend of Clint Black's, but that's my end of my knowledge of country music from yeah. the inside. And I really like Clint. I think he's a wonderful person, very talented. So I, I um, and I haven't talked to him about uh, all around. I don't think anybody knows him. He came out of nowhere, but I've been listening yeah. to two or three of his repertoire. He's pretty talented. And uh, I like the way he modulates his voice and the speed and tone of the music, the lyrics. It's got a lot of actually. I mentioned classical tropes uh, for the the line ending alliteration of both rhyme and homonyms and repetition of the same word. It's it's a little bit more intricate than than people are, are imagining. So, and I do think he has a good voice as well. Well, Victor, we have another um, Biden House related, not Congress, but like his domicile uh, scam that's breaking um, uh, as we're recording this weekend, uh, October, late October, the last weekend in October. And we'll get your thoughts on that. And maybe if we have time, one other topic right after uh, these final important messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. with the Victor Davis Hanson show. So, Victor, I, I know I had, excuse me, I can overcomplicate things, but essentially here's what happened. Joe Biden bought a house in 1974 for $185,000. And then 20 years later, he sold it to a donor, of a top official at MBNA. I don't know if folks remember MBNA was a big credit card company based in Delaware. Joe Biden was senator, and he sold it for $1.2 million. That's 1996. That's a pretty damn big return on investment. That house, now, what are we talking now? Uh, 20, uh, close to 30 years later, that house that sold in 96 for $1.2 million is valued today at only $1.6 million, which meant that when Biden sold it back in in 96, he got a lot, lot more money, a tremendous amount more money than the house was really worth. In other words, this is a way to collect money 
from a major donor directly. Now, wait a minute, Jack. I'm sorry. You are not suggesting that, A, he might have tampered with a donor in connection with a, I don't know, a senatorial race, campaign, campaign financing, or you are better not be suggesting that he is playing around with the value of his assets. Because if you are, he has a rendezvous with Latita James and Alvin Bragg. Yeah. Sure as there is, because he's uh, in Trump territory, supposedly. Wait, yeah, wait, I wait. Saw, I saw Let me, it. Can I add one other thing? Yes. That, that MBNA employed Hunter Biden also to, yeah. to put some icing on the cake. Right. You know what this is about? And we, I say this in the context of the $200. <laughs> I love the $200,000 check. Is His brother gets $600,000, got to give it to the Biden boys. He writes something to Joe. It's income. It will not be reported, no doubt. And so he writes loan repayment, and there's no record of any formal loan given. And all of these that are emerging are like little tiny, taking a little ball pin hammer and hitting a big, huge egg. And little fissure there, little fissure there. And then all of a sudden, without warning, it just implodes. And that's what's happening. And that's why they're going to make a huge effort um, to, I think, leak about him. Uh, to get him out of the race, that he's not cognitively viable. He's not, um, I don't know, ethically viable. He's surely not uh, given his record politically viable, and they're going to get rid of him. But he is the most corrupt president that since Warren Harding, no doubt about it. Yeah, Everybody knows it, and they won't talk about it unless it's going to be useful to get rid of him if you're on the left. But the thing that's really... But bothers me is kind of idiosyncratic that you remember when he came in and he raised taxes and he said, I'm getting tired of people not paying their fair share. And we've got the wealthy, the rich, they just don't pay taxes. And we're going to stop that. And I'm thinking, OK, you went around and demagogue the people who supposedly don't pay taxes. And yet here in California, one percent, Jack, one percent of the household pays half of the income tax, half, and they are leaving at an astronomical rate, which might explain why our $25 billion deficit will probably be up to 40 pretty soon. But nonetheless, while he was demagoguing and accusing people, that's what he was doing in perfect leftist fashion, a projection. Remember how the leftist mind works. If I commit some crime, ethical lapse, then I'm going to project that on other people as a way of disguising my own culpability. And that's what he's done. He's demagogued the tax. The big thing, he's kind of like Al Capone. His vulnerability is in tax avoidance because all of those millions of dollars, I don't think will show up on his tax returns. And somebody, if Jim Biden just wrote him a check for 200,000, I hope he paid, what is it? 40% on gift tax. And if it wasn't, if if it was an income redistribution, yeah. I hope Joe Biden paid probably in his bracket. He probably should have paid 80,000 of that to the government federal. I don't know what whether Delaware has a state income tax or not. And if he didn't say it was income and it wasn't a gift and both, neither one of them paid taxes, but it was a loan. Then let's see the conditions of a loan because of amount that large. You'd have to have some record of it. You can't just say here, take. 
here, you know, take this. Or maybe, you know, it's not his son or daughter that is going to be inherited in probate. You can subtract that from the inheritance tax exposure. But it, so there's no leg to stand on. And yet, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's going to be cumulative aggregate. And finally, the people in, on the left say, you know what? I'd defend this guy if he was up 55, 45 in the polls, or if he was young and dynamic, or he had a great record on Afghanistan and with China and on Ukraine and staunch ally, and he was deterrent as far as Israel. But there's no there in crime, inflation. They think he's got a bad record. He's cognitively challenged and embarrassing, and he's corrupt. So why would I go out and defend him anymore when he's behind in the polls of Donald Trump? So what I will do, and even DeSantis runs, even, and he's supposed to be so far behind Trump and so is Haley, but both of them run either even or ahead of uh, Biden, although not to the degree that Trump does. And what what's the, what's the positive side of the ledger on him? I don't understand if you're a Democrat. Yeah. Is it no idea? Is it that what what is it? Is it Gavin Newsom is a we know him in California as a buffoon, and but they don't know that he's young, he's dynamic, he has that little profile with sunglasses and his vest, and he looks like a candidate. He would be better in their eyes uh, for the progressive message than than Joe Biden. So I I don't think he's going to run. I've said that before. I say it's a fifty fifty chance that he will finish his term. I think he's won. Air Force one step fall away or podium fall, unfortunately, tragically, from being severely injured and incapacitated. Or these blank stares that he has will continue. Or his outrageous thing about, you know, the Islamic Jihad couldn't shoot straight if they just had a shot straight, i.e. hit the Jews and kill them in Tel Aviv, then we wouldn't have had a problem with the fake news story. Yeah. He says things that are just, you know, impossible. Victor, I think the, the the recent numbers, actually, I think I'm looking at Real Clear Politics yeah. today on Sunday, the uh, I haven't seen the 29th. The approval, presidential job approval is approved 40.7 and disapproved 55.6. It's pretty damn significant. And yeah. the direction of the country is much faster, uh, more spread. Right direction, 24.2. Wrong direction, 60. Six. Those are pretty damning numbers for the incumbent. So, um, well, Victor, one more topic, and this is—I uh, I hope it's reflective a little of some of the interests or concerns our listeners might have. It—it's it, it, been bugging me for ages, and this has to do with self-driving cars. And there's been stuff, some stuff in the news lately. There's a company called Cruise. Um, that had self-driving cars, robo taxi, and it was ready to to be unveiled in California. There were some tests, and someone got hurt, maybe even killed. And so this cruise robo taxi stuff was pulled. But I, whether there's technological problems or not, with for me, like with uh, uh, um, you know electronic money to replace actual cash. I'm concerned about these self-driving cars uh, because they would probably force you off the road. But it kind of gets into um, the government knowing everything about you, where you are, 
where you're going, where you've been, where we won't let you go. Uh, and I, I just find it's probably maybe more Jetsons, the old you know cartoon, uh, than reality. But I don't know, Victor. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. But is there anything uh, right what, in what I'm worried about? What, what was the what's the attraction of the of the driverless car? I, I never understood it. I mean, when you're in the car, you don't want to drive at all, and you trust some inanimate object to guide you more safely than yourself, or that we're going, it's an experiment, or it's the first step on a trajectory where we're just going to deliver stuff with no drivers. Um, and we we know that it doesn't work very well because we see these incapacitated cars everywhere. But what's the upside on it given the dangers of it i don't understand that at all what 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 it is and uh they haven't made the case for it so then what what's the impetus and i guess it is that uh you can control it i mean it's, it's that way anyway now it's getting kind of scary I, I i keep mentioning my echo diesel that's still in the shop uh i bought a 2021 beautiful truck Rated at 12,000 pounds. I think I told everybody I'd son is towing just 7,000 pounds. The turbo went out, almost killed him back down the hill, uh, called up the Ram. I went to the dealer. I'll mention him later if he don't. they don't fix it because they haven't, but I won't mention him now. And of course, uh, one month to get in, Jack, and then one month to fix the turbo. And then no sooner... Then the turbo was fixed now, and the warranty was good that it starts leaking. And when you take a turbo on an echo diesel, you have to take the cab off, Jack, three or four hour job. And then there's so many things to put back in the right order and place. It's very difficult. So no sooner than we do it, it starts leaking coolant from the turbo. And so brand new turbo. And then, of course, it's three weeks to get in. And now it's sitting in there right now. So no truck. You pay $60,000. It's only two years old. And now I'm going up to I'm going to get up to four months that I haven't had it. And you try to talk to the dealer. You try to talk to Ram. You get nothing. And so what, what I'm getting at is it's a beautiful truck, but it has very sophisticated electronics. And you mentioned this thing about monitoring. I get emails periodically. If I guess it's Mopar or someone. And they can tell me what the air pressure is, what the oil level is, what I have been, how many miles I have on it, and when all my, and it's good. But what I'm getting at, this thing is almost like an autonomous brain, right? It's communicating, communicating all the time. And when I broke down, when we broke down, I was following my son. They It sent a signal to someone that the turbo was out. And so what I'm getting at is these cars are so sophisticated. Why would you go, go the next level and let them drive themselves as if they're artificially intelligent? It There are now almost with these sophisticated screens and computer and technology. They they're almost fixing themselves and uh, they're almost people, but they're not people. So don't let them drive as if they were people. And I don't see, are we, 
that's one of the pressing issues. The, the fact that we have to drive a car is so much more pressing and existential than homelessness or being able to buy aspirin at a pharmacy or being able to walk in Washington, New York without getting clubbed in the head or driving your car in San Francisco or having a carjack. Right. Or Israel. What All of these existential problems and we're worried about cars that drive themselves without anybody in them. What is? What do you think the thing is about it? What's the big attraction? Why the faintest clue, other than control of. But, but of a, are they just going to be? So I say that I want to go to the store and nation. I get I get a Tesla and I say, go down to Kingsburg, California, and I ordered all my groceries and you'll pull up along the curve and then a robot will give you the groceries and you'll drive home. Is that the idea? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't either. Well, anyway, Victor, I, 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 I appreciate you letting me share my my fears. Hey, I, I as we wrap up today, I do want to, uh, I forgot to mention earlier, I think I did anyway, uh, The Blade of Perseus. That's Victor's website at victorhanson.com. And please do go there and please do subscribe. You can actually sign up also for Victor's uh, weekly email. Keeps you abreast of everything he's doing and writing uh, on um the Blade of Perseus, you will find in the right-hand column on the front page a link to The End of Everything, How Wars Descend into Annihilation. That's Victor's forthcoming book uh, in May. Do uh, pre-order it. And you should sign up, uh, subscribe, actually, uh, to this web to his Victor's website, because then you can read the ultra articles that uh, Victor writes two or three times a week. There's a great one uh, out now about uh, our elite amor- amoralists, if you're taking on Leon Panetta. Uh, and it, again, two or three times a week, $5 gets you in the door and it's $50 a year. If you're not on, if you are on Twitter or X, I, I really encourage you to to follow Victor at VD Hansen. Victor writes a lot now, original material. Um Again, seems like two or three times a week with the extensive tweets. And what else? There's a fan club, the Victor Davis Hanson fan club on Facebook. Check it out. Sign up even. Um, you'll find all sorts of links to things Victor's done. As for me, Jack Fowler, I write civil thoughts, the free e- we e- free weekly. I wish I could speak English, Victor. The free weekly email newsletter for the Center for Civil Society at Amphil, where we try to strengthen civil society. Sign up at civilthoughts.com. Victor, very short comment to end the show. And this is from uh, Alaska West, who titles it very simply, Renaissance Man. Victor is the true Renaissance man, farmer, historian, linguist. He covers all the bases. I really enjoy his podcast. Really down to earth. Thank you, Alaska Wes, we do read all the comments. Those come on. Uh, that one came from uh, Apple slash iTunes, where you can also rate the show zero to five stars. We also read the comments that are on Victor's website. So, Victor, thanks for all the wisdom you shared uh, today. And thanks, folks, for listening. And we will be back soon with another episode of The Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thanks, Bye-bye. everybody, for listening. Much appreciated. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.